Second Corinthians chapter 8. Our life is definitely not our own. It belongs to Christ who purchased salvation for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. This week I, I saw a funny financial cartoon um, that I read online. And in this cartoon it, it depicts a preacher uh, standing behind the pulpit with his hands lifted up with a smile on his face. And he says, all tithers, please stand so I can pray God's blessings over your finances. Next, he puts his hands down. Then he leans over the pulpit like this. The smile goes away. Then he says with a stern look on his face, now all you non-tithers, please stand so I can lead you in a prayer of repentance. Funny, I know, but this cartoon that shows the church's natural tendency to focus on one side of stewardship inside the church. And this morning I want us to understand there are two sides to stewardship within God's church. There's two sides, not one side, it's two sides. There is the giving side, and then there is the collecting and overseeing side of it. Many times in churches, you have a tendency to focus on the giving side, the giver. But what about those who are responsible for overseeing those gifts and collecting those gifts? See, the the, the individuals who are tasked with responsibility to collect and oversee the tithes and offerings given to a church have an important and critical responsibility. Because if those people don't have a good character, Guess what's going to happen to the church's finances? Nothing good. Today, Paul is going to talk about this side of stewardship and why it's important. He's going to be talking about it in the context of of the gift that he was collecting for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Because those who collected the gift and those who oversaw the gift have an important role. So if you have your Bible, open it to 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. This is God's word. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is coming to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, But he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this gift of grace, this act of grace that has been administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course of action so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that has been administered by us. For we aim what is honorable not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. And we are sinning with him our brother who has been often tested and found earnest in many manners, but now, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. And for, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Please pray with me. Father God, pray that you will take away 
my need to be accepted. In fact, Lord, I, I give away my pride to you today. I give away my desire to be praised by men. I give away my need to be approved by men. My desire to be great. My desire to steal your glory. Lord, I pray that your spirit will take it away. I can't deny the things that live in my heart, but I can't repent of them. I can't own them. I can open up to them and put them on your altar and say, Lord, heal me. Of the sin that many people don't see that live inside my heart. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move me to the side and speak through me and to me today. That Christ will be lifted up. Christ will be glorified. And that people would see Jesus. And that you would take this word, this word, the foolishness of the cross, the foolishness of preaching, and change hearts today. Change lives today. Bring encouragement today. Give hope today. Give conviction today. Do it all for the glory of Christ. And in his name I pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, 16 through 24, they are actually a, a new section uh, in this letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And in this part of the book, he is going to tell these Corinthians about the men who have been sent to them to collect the gift that they promised. These men were the collectors and overseers of, this, of the gifts that's been taken for the churches in Jerusalem. Remember, the churches in Jerusalem are, are suffering. And then Paul has started raising funds for those churches among the Gentile churches. And these men were sent out to collect this part of this fund from the Corinthian church. And Paul's intent here is to present the character of these men to these Corinthians and to offer some details about the work they are carrying out. First, we want to look at the character of these men. This delegation of men. There were three men in the delegation that were sent to collect this gift. It was Titus and two other brothers from the churches of Macedonia. And I asked myself, why did Paul find it necessary to go into details about these men? Why was it important that he go into details to these men about these men to the Corinthian church? Why? I believe it was because of the second part of stewardship in the church. Because someone is always tasked with the responsibility to oversee and to collect the tithes and offerings given. We're just not giving it to, to air. Someone has to watch over it. Someone has to collect it. And these three men were given this responsibility. So Paul wanted the Corinthians to know something about them, their character. Who are they? Because remember what I said, people get funny when you start talking about their money. They do. Even in the church. Don't fool yourself. And Paul wanted to put these Corinthians at ease. He, 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 he didn't want them to be anxious and suspicious about the brothers that coming to them. In fact, he wanted them to trust these brothers with the gift that they were given. So he gave the Corinthians details about them. He talked about Titus. And we know from verse 6 that Titus was, was already urged to go to Corinth to complete the offering. But in verses 16 and 17, Paul gives us a little more details about this. He says in verse 16, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. 
For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself ever earnest, he is coming to you of his own accord. Paul has used this term earnest many times in chapter 8. And here it's used to show that Titus had a heartfelt concern for the Corinthians. He was coming to them on his own accord. It wasn't out of duty or pressure or obligation. He's going to them with a pastoral heart. This is important because Paul wanted them to know that Titus cared for them, not their money. He had a heart for them, not their pocketbook. He cared about the people there. And in verse 23, we see Paul says, Titus is my fellow partner, my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Paul held, held Titus in high regard, and he wanted the people, the believers in Corinth, to do the same. He was Paul's partner and fellow worker in the ministry to the churches. Titus was a shepherd of God's people, which was a benefit of the people at Corinth. The second brother, Paul named, is not mentioned by name. Look at verse 18. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among you, among all the churches for his preaching the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us. Two things Paul tells the church about this brother. He's praised among the churches for his preaching the gospel, and he was chosen by the churches to travel with us. This brother had a good reputation when it came to handling God's word, when it came to handling God's truth. And not only that, this brother was trustworthy, honest, dependable, and he was chosen, handpicked by the churches to be part of this delegation because of his character. Finally, the third brother Paul mentioned to them in verse 22. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many manners, but who now is more earnest than ever because of his confidence in you. The same thing has been said about this brother, character. He's been tested, found earnest in many things, and he is confident in the Corinthian. He cares for them. So Paul saw fit to present these men as trustworthy and honest. Basically, they were men of integrity and men who had high character, men who were respected and men who had a sincere concern for the Corinthians. That's the delegation of men that he sent. You see, the character and heart of those responsible for collecting and overseeing the tithes and offerings within a church is important. In fact, this is true when it comes to just about anything you give your money toward. If you support any ministry, any organization, Lincoln Village Ministry, RUF, Deep Roots, Young Life, Compassion, Campus Crusade, those who are responsible for those funds must be trustworthy. They must have integrity. Missionaries, ministries, nonprofits that you donate to, are they trustworthy? Are they honest? Do they have integrity? You see, here at the Village Church, those who have been tasked with the responsibility to collect and oversee the, the tithes and offerings given to our church, they are trustworthy. They have integrity in what they're doing. And along with that, they have high character. And they also have a care for you. They care about you. In another uh, 
a funny cartoon I saw this week. You have, it's about an usher who was welcoming new visitors to the church. Now, as he sees these visitors, he points out to these visitors that he asks the visitor this question. Which section would you prefer for our offering? We have the cash section. We have the online section. We have the credit card section also. But over here we have the I'm out of chain section. So which section do you prefer to sit in? Now I want each of you to know that that's not how your elders and your pastor see you. You're not dollar signs. If you're a visitor today, you're not a potential dollar sign. I want, we want you to know that. That we have an earnest care for you. Not your wallet, not your purse, and not your bank account. This is what Paul was making clear in these verses to the Corinthians. That these men had caring hearts for them. They were not coming to them as tax collectors or debt collectors. But people who had sincere concern for them. Your officers, your elders, and your deacons care for you. Regardless of what you give. Please know that. Please know that. These brothers here in our text were men of integrity. Next, Paul told the Corinthians about the work of these men, the work they were called to do, verse, beginning in verse 19. And not only that, he was appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that has been ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course of action so that no one would blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the God's in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. The delegation of men, these this this delegation were working to carry out this act of grace as a ministry of relief or benevolence for the poor saints back in Jerusalem. They were not collecting this offering for the sake of for the sake of hoarding money. They were not just going to these Gentile churches raising money just for the sake of it. They had a purpose behind it. The purpose was to help fellow saints who were in the midst of hardship. You see, whenever we talk about money or uh, speak, teach, or preach about stewardship, it's not so the church can hoard money in our bank account. So we can say, look how much money we got. It's not so the pastor can be rich and drive a nice fancy car. It's not about that. It's not so that one day we can build this multi-million dollar campus over here on, you know, on Washington. So people say, well, look at that big church. So that we can just be big and big and big. The offerings and tithes given to this church is to help this church in her work and worship. In her work and worship. That's staff. That's operational costs. And that's supporting the ministries that we support. And one of the ministries that we support is, is, is the same ministry that Paul is doing here. It's benevolence. Make no mistake. This is, this is mercy ministry that Paul is engaging in here. Benevolence to other believers who are in need. And one of our ministries here at the Village Church is benevolence. It's walking alongside of our members when they're in a season of hardship. Paul told the Corinthians they were ministering this act of grace for the glory of the Lord himself. For the glory of the Lord himself. Both sides of stewardship. Like all aspects of life. Should be done to promote Jesus' glory. 
in this earth. Paul didn't want the Corinthians to give them the credit for the Lord's work. It wasn't so they could be glorified in the eyes of man because of the money that was being raised. They took up this act of grace to minister to the poor saints because they knew God cared about what they were going through. This act of grace was going to show these poor saints in Jerusalem that Jesus is Jehovah Jireh still. The God who provides for his people. The God who cares for his people. And he gets the glory for that. The larger picture here is that our Heavenly Father not only cares about your spiritual reality, he cares about your physical reality. He cares about what you're going through. If you're living in poverty, Jesus cares about that. Do you believe it? If you're in financial crisis, Jesus cares about that. If you're in any type of crisis, relational, health, emotional, family-wise, Jesus cares about it. The question is, do you believe it? Because what you believe about it tells where you're going to go to handle it and what you're going to run to to cope. Do you go to Jesus? Are you going to him in prayer? Are you, going, are you surrendering? To, are you giving it away to Jesus? Are you giving it away to something else that can't satisfy? Now, if you're on the other side and you're doing well financially, is Jesus still your God? Is he still the one bringing home the bread to you? Or you think it's because you got a good job? Because guess what? That can go away at any moment. We all can get a pink slip. We're not above that. Everybody's replaceable. Are we giving him the glory for where we are? Paul said also, Paul said, this act of grace has been administered by us for God's glory and to show their goodwill. What does that mean? We're, doing, we're ministering this act of grace for God's glory, but also to show our goodwill. What does he mean by that? This goodwill was their zeal and their heartfelt concern for their fellow believer. The Lord was using these believers to minister to the needs of other believers. And this what? These were Gentile believers ministering to the needs of Jewish believers back in Jerusalem. Showing you what the gospel can do when it comes inside of our lives. It can actually change us. So we can have concern for those who we at one point hated. The message here is that believers are to minister to one another when they are in need. You should have a sincere concern for what your brother and sister is going through. The person sitting next to you is probably going through something right now. But do you care? Do you want to know? Sometimes we don't want to know because when we know we feel like we got to do something about it. So we wish people don't say nothing. Talk to me about surface stuff, but don't tell me what's really, really going on. Because I don't really want to know that. Paul saw the needs of the poor saints in Jerusalem, and he took initiative to, to, to raise funds for them, to walk alongside of them in that. American believers are victims of living in American culture. And that means we are individualistic, even in the way we operate in our faith. We can't help it. It's part of being an American. We are individualistic. And 
And, and, and as believers, even those, those of us as part of Village Church, we say we like and we want community, that we want to be connected with one another. But the catch is that we want community and connectedness to fit into our individualistic lifestyle. That's the type of community we want. We want community, but we want it to fit into our individualistic lifestyle. It cannot inconvenience me at all. It cannot interrupt my schedule. It can't interrupt with my kids' schedule. If it ain't fitting into that family schedule, then guess what? It ain't getting in. That's the type of community that we want. It has to fit into our individualistic approach to life. And if it doesn't fit there, then it's not going to get done. It's not going to be part of our life. How are you showing your goodwill to your fellow brother and sister in the Lord? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for your family? In our context, Paul showed his goodwill toward the saints in Jerusalem by collecting the offering of benevolence for them. For some of you, it could simply mean giving up some of your time. For some of you, giving money is the easy route. But time, you got to cut off your finger to get time from you. It could be giving up your time, actually showing up to sit there and let a brother and sister weep on your shoulder because they're dying inside. To be an ear, to give emotional support. That could be you showing goodwill to a brother and sister in need. Here at the Village Church, we have a ministry team called Shepherding and Care. And the members on that team um, have hearts for our members and what they're going through. And that team responsibility is to assist the elders and deacons into shepherding our people and dealing with benevolence needs in our congregation. The goal is for this team is to walk alongside of you in what you are going through. The challenge is for you to let us know what's going on in your life. Let the people God placed over you to shepherd you, shepherd you. Otherwise, you, we're just a country club, a social club. The leaders over you are there for your good, for your benefit, to shepherd you. Because guess what? If you don't let us know what's going on, I don't know what's going on. I'm not psychic. I can't know you're having problems. I can't know if you're in financial distress. And I tell y'all this all the time. Everybody in here is messed up. I, I assume all y'all messed up and you're just hiding stuff. I'll just be honest with you. You're all messed up and you're hiding it. But one day you're going to come. When it all starts falling apart, you'll come. Stop hiding it. You don't have to hide here. We all have junk. And the shepherds that God's giving you is there to help you get through your junk. And your shepherds got junk too, so that's why you got to pray for us. Our benevolence toward one another shows our goodwill and love for each other. The final part of the work of this delegation that Paul addressed with the Corinthians was the fact that they had to also administer this gift. This is seen in verse 12, verse 20. We take this course of action so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that has been administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not in the, only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. The, verb that has, the Greek verb that has been translated course can also mean taking all precautions. See, the course of action and precautions that Paul is talking about here was the fact that he had this delegation of men to travel with him. 
And these, and this delegation of men provide two things. Protection from thieves and accountability. What do you mean by that? See, Paul says he aimed at what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. He did not want anyone to assume that he was taking this money for himself. This even in the first century church, they probably had issues with that. Don't think this is just something new when it comes out of financial stuff in the church. It's old as us, old as man, when it comes down to finances. He didn't want people to assume that he was going to put the money in his own pocket. He didn't want he wanted to be above reproach in this matter. He didn't want any appearance of fraud, any appearance of mishandling of the funds. He wanted to avoid a financial scandal. So he set up precautions, put up things in place for protection and accountability. He wanted to make sure that the folks knew that the money that they collected will be administered to the churches in Jerusalem. It's going to be administered to them, not to myself. What does this mean for the village church? It means we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also what's in the sight of man when it comes to these finances. We have checks and balances in place when it comes to the finances of this church. We have a trusted, honest deacon who serves as church treasurer. That's Wayne Blocker. We have a trusted and honest bookkeeper. Her name is Pat Trepane. The deacons, the session, we review the budget monthly. And you may be asking yourself, why is this important? Why are you telling us this? Many churches have fallen victim to financial scandals. Please know that. They had eroded the church because finances have not been handled properly. And by God's grace, that would not happen here. That's why this type of message is important. I believe both sides of stewardship, the giving and the collecting, are very, very important. If you're going to preach to one, you've got to preach to the other. Both of them. Those who collect and oversee the gifts given to the church must be honest, trustworthy, dependable, and people of integrity. And by God's grace, those who are responsible for that here have those things. And I ask you to pray for them. Pray for wisdom for them. That they will continue to do so. One of the books I've been reading, one of the many books I'm reading, I came across something very convicting this week. It reminded me that what I am is because of who Christ is. And, and if we're going to be good stewards of our time, our talents, our treasure, it's because of Christ. That's it. Not because I get up here and preach on stewardship. It's because of Jesus. Listen to what this author says. The person who really begins to move is the person who has finally despaired over himself. Has come to some quite, has come to see quite clearly that the Spirit's illumination, that it is no longer I, but Christ. Not what I am, O Lord, but what thou art. That alone can be my soul's truest rest. Thy love, not mine. Thy peace, not mine. Thy rest, not mine. Thy everything, nothing of me. Thyself. That is the central foundation of spiritual growth, spiritual knowledge, and spiritual education. I'll add to that. Thy table. Not ours. Think about that. Thy body. 
not ours. Thy blood, not ours. Thy death, not ours. Thy sacrifice, not ours. Thy goodness, not ours. Thy righteousness, not ours. Let that sink into your heart. All Jesus, not ours. All we bring to the, him is our sin. This table is a reminder that nothing in our hands we bring. This table is a reminder that nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to his cross we cling. If that's not your only thing you cling to, then you're not clinging to Jesus. You bring nothing. You cling. This table is for those who have finally despaired over themselves to the point where they have surrendered their life to Jesus in saving faith. Repenting of their sins. Turning from their sins. If that is you this morning, then guess what? This table is for you. It's for you. Friends and neighbors, if, if you have not professed faith in Christ, we consider it an honor that you're here. And we would love to share with you the good news of the gospel, how you can come to know what it truly means to have a relationship with Jesus. So I encourage you, talk to me, one of the elders or deacons afterwards, and we'll pray with you, and we encourage you, and we will share with you the good news of the gospel. Parents will ask the kids that are with you, abstain for the elements until they have been admitted to the table by the church you attend. Now to our kids, all of our little babies, I want you guys to know that it is our hope and it is our prayer that one day you too will be able to partake of this meal with us. It is our prayer that you will come to know Jesus in saving faith. That's the prayer of your parents. That's the prayer of your pastor and your elders. That we want you to know Jesus and his sacrifice for you. And this table is a reminder of that. Because as you grow up in this life, this will be your only hope. This is going to be your only peace. This is going to be your only righteousness. And that is Jesus to the day he calls you home. So please, little babies, observe what we do today for your benefit. I will ask the officers to come forward, please, who's going to assist today. <clears throat>